Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, guys, welcome back to the Equip You Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And with us today is our brother in Christ, Ray Comfort. Ray, welcome to the Equip You Grace podcast, sir. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's wonderful to have you. Uh, can you uh, briefly tell us about your life, marriage, ministry, and any ministry projects that you're working on? Yeah, I'm uh, originally from New Zealand. I was born there twice, still got a slight accent, came to the U.S. in 1989, uh, particularly to bring a teaching to the church called Hell's Best Kept Secret. Um, I've got a television program, YouTube channel. Uh, I write books. I'm married to one wife. She's the joy of my life. We've been married for 50-something years. I don't know exactly. I've got one dog. Uh, I live in Southern California, and uh, I love sharing the gospel with the lost. Amen. Amen. Oh, we appreciate your ministry, brother, and it's a joy to have you on t- today. Can you please tell us about your book, So Many Lions, So Few Daniels, Living Without Compromise in a World in Need of Truth, why you wrote it and how you hope it'll be received? Inspired by Daniel's courage in uh, facing the lions, uh, literally. Um, and I often think about, you know, he's in the in the uh, faith chapter of Hebrews 11. Harry stopped the mouth of the lion. Uh, I wonder what he did during that night. Did he just sleep like Jesus slept in the storm? Did he go up to the lions realizing they couldn't touch him because God had stopped their mouths? Did he floss their teeth? What did he do? Or was he in fear for the whole night? And what we've got to realize is that God has stopped the mouth of the lion. There are fearful beasts out there, but they can't touch us unless God gives the okay. So we need not be fearful. We just look to the Lord and trust him with all our hearts. And that really is the message of the Bible, plus a whole lot of other stuff that we'll probably touch on today. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. You were just touching on fear. Um, How do you encourage Christians to deal with fear and anxiety when engaging non-Christians in evangelism? Well, you're going to always have fear. uh, I've spoken to many people, preached open ears in universities and places that are kind of scary. Uh, But I got to tell you, every time I go up to witness to an unsaved unsaved person, I have serious. That's in my heart. I don't want the guy to show up because I'm fearful of having to witness to him mm-hmm. uh, because he becomes a Goliath as soon as I turn to him to try and speak. It's a spiritual battle, and we deal with our fears the same way a firefighter deals with his fears. Mm-hmm. He arrives at a fire. He looks up, and on the fifth story is a woman and two children leaning out of a window, screaming as flames look at their clothes. They're going to be burned alive within five minutes. He has to climb a 60-foot ladder, reach out, grab those children, and then grab the woman at the top of the ladder while there's smoke and flames. Do you think he'd rather be with his wife at home watching television, black and white movie with his kids? Obviously, he would. But he ignores his fears because he is a firefighter, and he deals with his fears by not looking at himself by looking at that woman, her two children, and their terrible fate. And that's what we do as Christians, and that's the analogy the Bible gives. uh, Jude 22, 23, I think it is. Others making a difference, having compassion, pulling them from the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. 
And so that's what we do. And that's what I do. I'm a Christian. I'm not just an ordinary person. People are going to hell. I don't want them to go to hell. I don't look to my own fears, my own concerns. I look to them and their terrible fate. And that's what deals with my fears. Mm. That's really well said, brother. You know, um, sharing the gospel should be a regular practice for every Christian. You know, Paul tells Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. So why are so many of us, you know, complacent, maybe even apathetic? And how can we eliminate this complacency when it comes to sharing the gospel with others? The Bible is full of strange incidents. There's just weird things like talking donkeys and axes that float and walls that fall down at a shout. One incident in the New Testament that I've always found very, very strange was where certain people brought a blind man to Jesus and they wanted him to touch him. That's all it would take is a touch, a touch from Jesus or a touch from the person. There's one incident where a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years touched the hem of Jesus' garment and was instantly healed. All they wanted was a touch. Of course, this was the son of God. He spoke to the dead, raised them. He spoke to the storm, stopped it. This was God manifest in the flesh. In fact, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, the Bible says, and all things were made by him. So his word brought the whole of creation into existence, the whole of the universe, and all it would take is a touch for a blind man to see. But Jesus didn't touch him. He took him by the hand, led him out of the city, put spittle on his eyes, laid hands on his eyes and said, how's it going? He says, I see men as trees walking. What? He says, men as trees walking. That's just weird. And then Jesus Tried again. He prayed again, laid hands on him, and he said, I now see all things clearly. He saw them as men. That is really strange because Jesus didn't have to pray twice. This was God manifest in the flesh. So obviously there's more here than meets the eye. And it seems that a lot of people become Christians, look around them, and just see men as trees walking. They don't see them as human beings. They pass them in the supermarket. They pass them in the mall. They pass them on the streets. And there's not a cry in the heart that this is a human being made in the image of God who's going to die. And if he dies in his sins, he's going to be damned in hell. They're not heartbroken. They're just trees walking. And the key is to look at that verse where, I think it's verse 25 in that portion of Scripture, Mark 8, I think, 22 to 25. It says, Jesus made him look up. Jesus made him look up. That's strange. Remember what he said to his disciples, lift up your eyes and look in the fields that are white under the harvest. And what Christians need to do is get before the Lord and say, Lord, help me to lift up my eyes. I'm walking past people that are going to hell. I just see them as trees walking. There's no, no real worth, no value. I miss the forest for the trees. I open up my eyes. So I look on the fields and I'm heartbroken because of the lost. And when I became a Christian, that was my key motivation, the horror that people are going to hell. Horror has taken hold of me, says the psalmist, because of the wicked who forsake your law. And so that's my motivation, love and concern for the ungodly, that they're not just some sort of part of creation, they're human beings like me with a will to live and a desire to reach the lost. And that's what, I'm sorry, sorry a desire to, to live. And that's what Christians need to do, get before the Lord and say, I lift up my eyes and look on the harvest fields. Please help me. Give me a love to reach the lost. And that's what's missing within within the contemporary body of Christ. Yeah, you, you you touched on something looking up. I think that the more that we think of the glories of Christ in the word, uh, the more that we're going to want to tell other people about those glories. So I think if we're getting in the Bible and reading and studying it like you're talking about as well, 
um, then we will desire to, you know, share Christ with other people. And we'll be able to do that effectively. You know, that doesn't mean that we'll know all the answers or, you know, I think that's a, a we're going to talk about objections here. I think that's a big objection. Well, I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't. But but get in the Bible, read the Bible, study the Bible, you know, memorize the Bible, get under get in a local church where the Bible is being preached, you know, um, you know, don't make that, a, you know, respectfully, don't make that an excuse to 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 share Christ with somebody. Like you said, people are perishing and they need uh, there's so much false teaching out there today as well. You know, people need the truth. And uh, it starts with, you know, quite honestly, it starts with us as Christians getting getting before the Lord, like you said, getting in his word, getting in prayer. Uh, loving your spouse, leading your home if you're a man. I mean, all of those things are critical. Absolutely. Feed on the word, read the word daily, let it become part of you because it's the gospel, it's the power of God's salvation. So that means you don't have to be an expert in apologetics. You don't have to answer every question because you're like the woman at the well who didn't go to a six-year training course. She had an experience with Christ, with the Savior, with Jesus, and she went out and told those in the village of her experience. And so the moment you become a Christian, you have a very powerful testimony. God took you out of darkness into light, out of death into life, and just testify of Christ on the cross and do it biblically. How how should we deal with objections to the gospel in evangelism? You've- no, this is fun. Good question. Many a question is a rabbit trail. Your agenda is to proclaim the gospel. Let me give you an example. I meet a lot of atheists, and they'll say, there's no God, there's no evidence of God, unless I see, I don't believe, and I've got all this sort of stuff. And I know this guy isn't an intellectual. The Bible says he's not intellectual. The Bible says he's a fool. And it's because he believes the scientific impossibility that nothing created everything. That's what an atheist believes. Not that there was nothing in the beginning, but nothing created flowers and birds and trees, the hummingbirds, the stars, the sun, the moon, the seasons, fruits, the human eye, the miracle of childbirth, everything was created by nothing. That's worse than insane. That's intellectual suicide. There's nothing scientific about that whatsoever. So when I talk to an atheist, I don't stay with his intellect and try and argue argue with him about something I know that he already knows. God has given light to every man. The invisible things of him through the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. Romans, sorry, Acts 19 says the heavens declare the glory of God. He knows God exists. So this is what I often will say to an atheist, and this shows what's going on. I'll say, hey, Eric. He says, what? I say, can you be honest with me? He says, yeah. I say, brutally honest? He says, yeah. So this really isn't about the existence of God. It's really about you having sex with your gorgeous girlfriend and you're looking at pornography. Am I right? And his mouth turns up at the edges almost always. He can't deny it. And often they'll say, yeah. You're right. And it's exactly what the Bible says. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. We drink iniquity like water. Our eyes are full of adultery. We love the darkness and hate the light. And so the issue is not the guy's uh, arguments. The issue is his sin. And that's what you've got to deal with. And you deal with it through the commandments. Show him him he's in great danger and he needs the cure that you have in the gospel. Mm, That's really good. So as you know, it's important for Christians to be plugged into a local church. How do you encourage new believers, specifically those who become Christians as a result of street evangelism, to go to church, especially those who admitted they've, 
quote unquote, left the church due to some sort of negative issue, such as spiritual abuse? Yeah, um, when someone's soundly saved, they want to be with God's people. You know you've passed from death to life because you love the brethren. First thing I did when I got saved is I wanted to meet other Christians, wanted to be with them, love fellowshipping with them. And so that's something that naturally should come. What I do is give them a little booklet called Save Yourself Some Pain. And that brings out principles of Christian growth, water baptism, uh, fellowship, uh, supporting your local church, praying for your pastor, getting into regular prayer, reading the word daily without fail. All these things are in that little booklet called Save Yourself Some Pain. But I don't follow people up. Often I'll see on a YouTube channel, why don't you follow these people up? Sounds strange, but I'm a married man and I can't follow women. In fact, I don't even have the liberty to ask for their phone number or their email address um, because I'm a man and I'm married and I don't say ask young ladies if I can have contact with them. So I can't follow them up. Huntington Beach, often people are from Europe or Australia and I can't follow them because I don't have time. And then I look to Philip the Evangelist who didn't follow up the Ethiopian eunuch. He just whisked away, or the Spirit of God took him away and left the Ethiopian eunuch alone in the wilderness. And you think, boy, how could he survive? All he had was God and the Scriptures. The key is that if God saved them, God's going to keep them. And so uh, I encourage them to read that little booklet, but they're in the hands of God and he'll take care of them. He's able to save to the uttermost those that come to God by him. He's able to save them, keep them from falling, and present them faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That's a good answer. Are there any specific resources that you would recommend um, as evangelism helps for those who have friends or family that identify as LGBTQ? Yeah, I tell them what to do to witness to them. If they have got the ability to witness, they could, uh, number one, is go to a YouTube channel and just write in Ray Comfort Homosexuals. There's a whole stack of videos where I witness to homosexuals inoffensively where homosexuals have actually thanked me for what I've said. And it's because there are certain principles I use when I witness to homosexual. And the first key is to realize that this man has his boxing, or woman, has his boxing gloves on. They are ready for a fundamentalist Bible basher to say you're going to hell because you're gay. So I don't say that. And this is because the book of Timothy, chapter 1, verse 8 through to 10, tells us this. The moral law, the Ten Commandments, was made for homosexuals. It gives a list. It says the law was not made for a righteous man, but for, and it gives the list, and in there is homosexuals. So if you want to witness to homosexual, don't touch on the issue of homosexuality while he's got a proud heart, while he's ready for you. Instead, take him through the commandments. Ask if he's lied. Has he stolen? Has he used God's name in vain? Has he looked with lust? And you don't want to know who he's looking at. It's none of our business. And if he says, yeah, I say, you know, Fred, I'm sorry. You've just told me you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, adulterate heart. This is awful. I don't want you to end up in hell. What can you do to be saved? And he says, well, I didn't realize that, you know, that I've sinned against God. And that's when the gospel makes sense. And when he's, when he's humble of heart, then you can show him 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 through 10, do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals will inherit the kingdom of God and say, You've got a choice now. You can continue on in your sins, doing things you know the Bible condemns, or you can repent and turn from all of them. And that includes homosexuality, adultery, fornication, lying, stealing, blasphemy. Turn from all sin, it's perpetual. And then you leave it up to God to save him. And that's how you share the gospel with a homosexual without getting him angry because you haven't brought up his issue that he thinks you're going to bring up. Hmm. Yeah, that's really, really good. 
you know, where can people go to find out more about you on your website uh, or on social media or otherwise, brother? Yeah, livingwaters.com uh, and also a YouTube channel. Um, I did mention about a YouTube channel it's just coming up to 250 million views. We've actually got a big cake. Ooh, let me see if I can show you. There yeah. it is. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> there. Nice. 250, 250 candles on it. And uh, 250, we're going to light them at the ministry and celebrate 250 million views. I could have brought it over to you, but it's a little heavy. Um, I bet, yeah. But I've seen in the in the comment section where people say, oh, my brother's a homosexual. I wish you'd witness to them. And I say, see it in the video. Just share it. And don't say, watch this. It's going to do you good. Say, I'd love to know your thoughts on this. That's a completely different way of handling it. I'd love to know what you think of this. That doesn't get the fur up on his neck. It makes him, it appeals to his ego. I'd like to know what you think of this. And you really do. And so that's the key when it comes to all these issues. So I encourage people to go to our YouTube channel, share the videos with others, and can find more about our ministry at livingwaters.com and the book. Right, so right. Life. Well, there's, you know, just as we wrap up, uh, do you have any takeaways for those who listen and watch the show, brother? Yeah, use your time to reach the lost. I'm coming up to 74 this year. I'm excited to say that because I'm writing a book called 101 Good Things About Growing Old. Mm. And the number one, the first thing is you get to watch old black and white movies again for the first time. In other words, you get to the end of the movie and you realize you've seen it before and you feel really dumb. So that's number one. I've been two years writing the book and that's all I've got so far. So there's nothing good about getting old. It's not golden years. It's olden years. The Bible speaks of being stricken with old age and it really is. And so use your energy while you're young to reach out to the lost. Use your energy to serve the Lord because you don't want to get to the end of your life and say, man, I've just lived a life of self-indulgence. I've been a firefighter sitting in a fire truck listening to music while people are burning to death. And so you want to use your life and say to the Lord, help teach me to number my days that I might apply my heart to wisdom. So make sure you use the time, your most precious time to serve the God that gave you life. Well, brother, uh, thank you so much for your time today and for your ministry. Uh, we're thankful for all that you're doing for the glory of God. Guys, uh, Ray's book is uh, So Many Lions, So Few Daniels Living Without Compromise in a World in Need of Truth. Ray, again, thank you for your time and may God bless you. And God bless you too. Thanks, brother. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.